Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to Your Tables Ready. I'm your host, Carol Hadar. I decided to cut my break short from the show to bring to you a special spotlight episode about Lebanon. I was actually in Beirut with my family August 4th when the world's third biggest explosion happened. It killed more than 200 people, injured over 5,000, and 300,000 people were made homeless. The collective loss is estimated to be between 10 and $15 billion. Two days after it happened, I evacuated like most people who could did. I went back to London with a heavy heart and started my efforts to fundraise, bring awareness not only about the devastation of the blast, but also about the failing government and the collapsed economy. The Lebanese lira has devalued by 70% since October last year. And that's what's making this horrible incident even more catastrophic. One of the ways I thought I could help, though, was to bring to you a story about one of the most loved Lebanese restaurants in London. I'm talking about Comptoir Libene. I contacted Tony Kiedis to see if he'd come on the show, and he said he'd be delighted. In fact, not only that, he's offered to give 15 signed cookbooks to raise money on behalf of the victims of the blast. If you're interested in buying a signed copy, please do email me at carol.hadar at gmail.com. You can find my email in the about section of this podcast or DM me on Instagram. The handle is at your tables ready. I'm back in Beirut at the moment, so I can guarantee that the money will go directly in the hands of those affected. Kitas brought Lebanese food to the masses with Comptoir. With 25 stores spread out across the UK, Kitas really brought his vision to life. He always said he wanted to make Lebanese food as popular as Italians made pizza. In this episode, you'll learn of how this 18-year-old moved from Algeria to London worked the equivalent of 10 years in four years to be able to save up enough money to open up his first restaurant by the time he was 22. You'll hear about how his empire was built, but also the type of changes he had to make in order to save the company when they hit a bit of trouble a few years ago. I met up with Kiedis when I went back to London in his very first restaurant, Levant. It's just off Wigmore Street, directly across the street from Comptoir on Wigmore Street. Two restaurants on one street, sure. The sound quality is a bit bumpy at points, but because we recorded it live and we were moving around a bit while we were chatting, it's not unbearable, but it's just worth noting that it won't last throughout the whole interview. Okay, here's Tony. I think with time you reflect about, because a lot of people say, oh, when did you start? And uh, for me personally, it started when I was back home in Algeria as a little kid. We've lived right across a football pitch. I sold tickets, I sold sandwiches, I sold lemonade, I sold water. So yeah, that's for me, that's how really it started. And you were kind of driven. I mean, you you didn't even want to go to university. You wanted to just kind of come and hit the ground running here. Uh, It wasn't planned. I came on holiday with a friend of mine from Algeria. We came on summer holiday. And at that time I just had my baccalaureate, current of A-level, supposed to go to university. Came to London for a few weeks, no money, didn't know anybody, I couldn't even speak English. And you know, after two months, I really wanted to, I loved it so much, I wanted to stay. My parents didn't want me to stay. And actually went back to Algeria. And when I went back, the next day I went to university. And I went to university for half an hour. I'm not <laughs> I promise you, in half an hour, and I was there, I was sitting, I was watching, everyone says, nah. It's not me anymore. You just kind of feel it. Uh, And I said, no, I have to go back to London. But in order for Tony to be able to go back to London, he needed his parents' blessing. 
They wanted him to stay in school. But after a lot of back and forth, he was finally able to get to London. The disappointment, however, that Tony caused his parents meant that he knew he was on his own and felt the pressure to succeed. Uh, as I said, for me, I already had in my mind within four or five years by the time my friends come out of university with a degree and um, future mapped up, I need to do the same. So um, with the goal I put in my mind to start my own business or probably more likely to be a restaurant within four or five years, that helped shape my future. Not having to think about anything else besides work, 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 work. I was working super hard. My only goal is to save up enough money to open this restaurant. As a kid, I was 18 years old, I said to myself, you know what, this is what I want to do, but I have to put some rules. No drinking, no drugs, and no smoking. And I needed to focus. That helped me because that drinking <laughs> and drugs and, and, uh, and cigarettes all expensive, but that's not, but also helped me focus mm -hmm. on everything I was doing. I mean, it's incredible. You were saying you worked 90 hour weeks. If I, if I had more people saying, come and do, I would have probably done more. At the time, when you, were, when you were young and you have the drive, the hunger, the ambition, I wanted to get there quicker. So this was the first four years was you working and saving and just working and saving. And that was yeah. step one. Yeah, in four and a half years, probably I've done, I can tell you, more than 10 years of Gosh. work in space of four and a half years. If you take the average 40 hours a week. So we're sitting in Levant at the moment. And this was your first restaurant, wasn't it? This is it? my first restaurant. I started this in 1993, almost 27 years ago. You worked here. I was actually a waiter here. What um, was the restaurant back it then? It was European, English restaurant. I used to be a waiter and one day I turned up to work and I see a sign on the door saying, sorry, the restaurant is closed. It was because the rent wasn't paid. For a few days, couldn't get hold of the owners. And then one day I said, it's closed anyway, so I might as well called the landlord and I said, look, I'm interested in renting the space. At the time, imagine I go to the landlord, you know, I had to pretend I'm older and mature. And I bought one of those uh, briefcases. <laughs> At the time it was a trend. And I bought myself a suit and I remember I bought a tie and a shirt. I didn't even know how to wear a tie. I had to walk into a shop to tell them to do me a tie because I I pretended I broke my arm, can you help me? It was so embarrassing. And I went there and inside my, my briefcase, all I had is small notepad. In fact, it's, it's a waiter's pad that you take orders for it. I was armed with my uh, bank statement because I knew it was going to come up. I said like a 22 year old, probably looking like 19 or something, coming to rent a restaurant in the middle of the West End, two minutes from Bond Street Station. Obviously I knew he was going to ask me, what about the money? Weren't you scared? I mean, you, you no, had the money. No, not at all. I was dying for the opportunity. I was so excited. I was so nervous. He's not going to give it to me. The word scared was not on the card at all. I was 22 then. Nothing scared me. But did you have a plan? The plan, just open a restaurant. <laughs> that so was the plan. you didn't write like a business no, plan. I didn't, even have the, I didn't know anything. Yeah. I just want the opportunity. You just want to run your own place. I just want to run my own business. I thought I knew what I was doing, but right. clearly not. No. I never managed the place. I just worked as a waiter. I was in the kitchen cleaning. I did a bit of chefing, but mainly just work, 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 work. That's all. I mean, it's successful. It's still here. How did you come up with the idea, the design, managing, hiring people? No, but when you are 22, you, know, you think you know everything. Right. I have enough money, that's enough. Uh, but 
I still was working very, very, very hard. And you knew it was going to be Middle Eastern food? No, 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 no. I didn't know what I was doing. I would just go, I went for it. As soon as I opened my restaurant, it doesn't matter what it is. So what were you selling? Well, no, no. When I first opened, it was more of a European restaurant. I kind of carried on what the previous restaurant was doing. And um, of course, I changed the design. I changed the name. I was doing this. But then I'm doing... Oh, that's right. Did you call it Baboon? Baboon, yeah. <laughs> Everybody laughed out. I didn't even know what that meant. I swear. <laughs> okay, of course. It, it wasn't called Levant back I, then. No, no. Back then, it was called Baboon. And... Uh, and I didn't know what it was, well, even what baboon meant, because I liked the sound of it. And then I realized all the people opening restaurants after me, and then you get people in the press talking about it. How come nobody's talking about us? But it was a huge competition, and I refurbished it again, relaunched it with as, an, as, as another European restaurant. And then one day I said, you know what? You're just doing what everyone else is doing. Maybe I needed to do something different. And uh, by then, I'm very familiar with Lebanese food. I'm a huge fan of Lebanese food. And I said, why don't I do Lebanese food? And, um, and I think but I wanted to do something, a Lebanese restaurant for everybody, not just for the Arabs. I wanted something very cosmopolitan. And I think that's what helped me. And that was Levant, is the first, my first Lebanese and Middle Eastern restaurant I did. But I also combined it, the food, the experience. And I wanted, when I opened it, I wanted people to feel that they are traveling somewhere. Somewhere whether in Lebanon, or somewhere in the Middle East or North Africa. That is what I wanted. I wanted the whole experience. We're so hospitable. We're so generous. Whether it's an Algerian table or a Lebanese table or a Middle Eastern table, you will never walk away from it hungry. We're so generous. We show our love with food. And I think that helped me a lot. So you think that was missing here oh, in the UK? Time. Oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, I think, no, it was missing. I'm not going to pretend I created the wheel. No, not at all. What I've done, I used it to my own advantage. A few Lebanese restaurants, they were for the ethnic and the... Like Edgeware Road style. Edgeware like Road just and there. few in Mayfair. Even when they did in Mayfair, they did them for the embassies, the Saudi embassies. But right. what I wanted to do, something I wanted to do for everybody. But you know the best thing I used to love? I sit in front of the restaurant on the table, in a corner, with my shisha and my friends. <laughs> but all I used to do is look, watch the people. Yeah. The moment they walk in, the people that come in for the first time, you can see their eyes. For me, they landed. Uh somewhere and the people that already been there is that joy to come back and eventually yeah eventually the press came on their own it's not something that i was after i was all i was, do, was taking care is our guests and making sure we have a fantastic team because it is the team that cooks that looks after the guests and the is, team that is, your, the family. is that a, a big piece of advice then people uh, now, looking yeah, to open I up learned, your restaurant i learned yeah. i have an amazing business partner i taught i learned a lot from that with him uh, who joined me, Shaker, he's also Lebanese. It's probably the best thing that's ever happened to my business, is having a business partner that I have all those ideas, but he made sure those ideas worked. He made sure, and I think his role was more important than mine. It's like I just gave birth to it, but he managed to make sure the execution and the running of the operation and the team and everything is... Uh, I owe a huge thing to him. How did you meet him? Um, he, Shaker was a customer and he used to run, he has a lot of experience. He worked in big American restaurant companies. He's a huge fan of what we do. He's very nostalgic, comes here, he generally loves what we do as a, as a customer. Then we become friends. And then eventually I was looking for someone to help me. 
to take it to the next level. To the next level yeah. and make sure it's run properly. And I, and I mean, did you do the finances at the beginning? No, no. The <laughs> I did, but badly. Okay. Uh, I was, I, I hate talking about the finance. Yeah. So is what he loves to do. But he realized that the finances are the backbone okay. of any business. So what well, I think me and Shekhar come in, I always knew from the beginning, I have other restaurant owners. I think they're super talented. I think they, they wanted to do everything on their own and they failed. So I said, for me, if I want to give justice to what I do, I need to have someone to work with me. Because creating something, I find it very easy. Designing something very easy. But taking it to the next level, this is where you show. It could be by luck, creating something and uh, designing something. But sustaining that business and growing that business, there's no luck in that. You see this table here? It's a brass. And one day in the beginning, I was bragging about it. Look at, I was telling him, look at this brass, beautiful. It costs X in Morocco. Look at the, t the, the brass leg. But I, want, I was so proud. <laughs> but then he turned around and says, yeah, the tabletop people see that's beautiful. But who looks at the table legs? That's when you realize you learn from that straight away from someone like right. him. He has wisdom. He has so business partner is very important. But as long as you choose the right business partner, who complements you, you complement each yeah. other. There is nothing, no business in this world, or there is no artist, or there is no sportsman, even a tennisman, because they appear to talk about him. He comes with a team. I'm talking to you now. Our restaurants are open. The team is doing their job. Yeah. So each of us has a role. Okay, so let's then. Fa okay, so you you opened a few res other I restaurants. I opened a few restaurants before. I you would, acquired I Levant places, and then I, I opened Levantine, which is a mini Levant, Middle Eastern restaurant with the belly dancers and the atmosphere. You just felt like there was opportunity to open. Yeah, no, in I wanted another to area. do. I, I was very ambitious. I think staying at one restaurant was not enough for me. I wanted to open. I wanted to create more and more opportunities. Uh, and then I remember buying Pasha. At the time, Pasha was owned by, I think, Richard Caring, who owns the Ivy, who owns Scott's, uh, who owns all this Annabelle, all those glamorous, the best restaurants in UK and probably some of the best restaurants in the world. And then I think what we've done, we realized that at the time with my agents, said me, I think Pasha could be suitable for you. Pasha? I said, why would they want to sell it? It's why not on the market. I said, exactly. Then eventually, he's a very clever guy. He created the opportunity. He said to me, look, he just been put by Richard Caring. Richard Caring is not interested in, in a Middle Eastern restaurant. Yeah, he just wanted to do this big and glamorous and fashionable restaurants. And then you know what? He was right. Took us a year negotiation. Eventually we bought it. And uh, I remember very well buying that restaurant. And I told the team, if anybody asks you, is there a new, don't even tell it's a new owner. Because I wanted to carry on on the existing customers because a lot of people think when they buy a business they says and their new management what they don't understand that business already had loyal customers i didn't want to lose them did you need to apply for funding to do all of this like how were you paying for all these restaurants no, at the time obviously uh, yeah, i had a little bit of the money from the bank and i was mad crazy using the cash flow and uh, of course that's a mistake were you paying yourself uh, depends at what stage some stage was as long as i pay my rent at home that uh, was enough. I was not my business. That's what, that was my business. That was my life. Getting my salary was not a priority. And all I was doing is as long as I can pay my taxi late at night at two or in the morning to go home and pay my rent at home, I eat at work. Everything else was work. So now 
Where did the idea for Come to Our Libanese come okay. from? Okay, now, in the back of my mind, I had that ambition always to do more and more and more. But not just anything is more. I had Levant, I had Levantine, I had Pasha, I had Kenza, which is similar to Levant and Pasha. But before that, I was thinking, you go on the high streets and you see Café Rouge, you see Pizza Express, you see burgers, you see sushi, you see all those branded restaurants. I said, hmm, how come we haven't done that with our food? And um, I don't buy into someone telling me, oh, if no one else has done it, because there's no market for it. If nobody done it, maybe because nobody thought about it. And also you need, it doesn't matter even if someone thought about it before, you need, the idea is one thing, the vision is something else, and the, and the execution is more important than anything else. And I think this is where my business partner comes into it. So Shakir came into something, don't get me wrong, it was a little bit cloudy in the beginning when he came in, we had financial difficulties, it was a mess. So he came in when it was already open for two years? Yeah, he came in 2010, my first restaurant was in 2008. And it was in Westfield? It was in Westfield. And how come you decided to start there? Uh, to be very honest, I wasn't planned, I was, I, want, I was planned to open the first one in Wigmore Street. Then Westfield came along and then I realized Westfield was a huge thing to open, not for us, for the whole, they wanted to have every restaurant to open at the same time. Otherwise, it would be penalties, and it was, so I said, hold on. I said, let me do one at a time, and then we opened, it's a small kiosk, four meter by six meter. And I remember we were there a week or two weeks before, and all our team says to me, oh, Tony, look at all this. It was like, I swear, it felt like a scene out of the Roman movie where you see millions of people trying to build a, a castle, you know, like yeah, people yeah, carrying yeah. it. It's incredible sight, and thousands of people, maybe 30, 40, 50,000 people doing work, finishing the center, outside, inside, trucks, deliveries, but inside the center, <laughs> each shop, restaurant, also having people. It's incredible sight. And at one stage I said, wow, it's intimidating. And then some of the team telling me, Oh, Tony, I don't think the center bureau says, look, worry about our four <laughs> by six meter. To be honest, we finished like at nine o'clock. The last screw has been screwed about nine o'clock and we opened at 11 o'clock or yeah. By then I wanted contour. I wanted to do something laid back, very accessible for everybody. I didn't want it to be trendy or fashionable. I want to make Lebanese food people to eat it on daily basis. Right. I wanted to do to Lebanese food what Italians did to Italian food. Did people come? I, it's, I cannot tell you how. I always wanted value for money. I wanted, I wanted something from the, you go and eat in a market. A comptoir means counter. It's a long counter in glass. You have mezze section. You have your hummus, tabula, fatouche, the pickles, the olives, the mint. You can see it's like, it's a garden. And then next section you see it's like a bakery. You have the menaish. You have the sambusik, you have the wraps, and then the sweets section, the baklava. I did the macarons with orange blossom, rose water, with uh, saffron, with chocolate and cardamom. Did you it, write all the recipes? Writing recipes, no. Imagining okay. them and creating them, yeah. And then we work with the team, with the chefs, coming out with the ideas, execute them, try it, test it make it look this, add a bit of color here, mm -hmm. add this here. I knew exactly how I wanted it to, to look and how I wanted it to be. When we opened, I have never seen an instant flow of people in my life. 
Oh my God. On the first day, maybe two, three thousand people we did. It's a big number to do. Yeah. First of all, it's a first day. Everybody in London wanted to try to come to Westfield. They could see the food. It's so colorful, so inviting. And we're selling wraps for three pounds. At the time, I, didn't, I had the food cooked from Levant, Pasha, and Kenza. I used to call the restaurants and they used to make me things. That's how we started. Oh, okay. For one restaurant make and then we take it there and we sell it from there because that was a small kiosk. But all I remember, I used to tell them, you know when it's like an army calling for help, send me, <laughs> send s- send help. me arms. I used to tell them, I'm running out of food, quick, send me th- this, send me that, send me this. And then I called them again. I said, send me more hummus. I said, we don't have more hummus. We don't have... I said, send me anything. <laughs> I swear, anything you have, just send it to me. I just, come, I need help. <laughs> it was so busy. So a huge part of Comtoire is the design, right? It's beautiful. You know, they call it a huge part is the design. It's like a bride. Mm-hmm. The first thing they see, they see her dress and they see her hair, they see her makeup. But obviously, well, that's the first part. But I divide them as equally. For me, it's very important. Yeah, so I mean, had you met Rana Salam by this point? Or when did she come in? I, I met Rana from before. I, I know Rana from before. The story with Rana is, is very much, uh, I admire what she does. I think she's that amazing stuff. And uh, I went to her studio in Westbourne Grove and she collects. She's crazy with her artist. Uh, it's like uh, some kind of Picasso of the, of the Arabic inner memories. She, she collects posters, and I saw a poster and I said, look, I love this poster. And obviously that's how Sirin came into it. She had it as one of her posters. And then um, I, I remember the team didn't know what to do with it. In my mind, I already knew what I wanted to do with it. I, um, I had um, Lee from Born Design. Mm-hmm. He did the logo for me. And I wanted the logo. I said, I want some logo, very simple, real, timeless, and I don't want to be gimmicky. You know, a lot of people they try to write a name of a restaurant or name of a business, but they try to do it with an Arabic font. Mm. It's like trying to put dots left, right, and center. It's like, it's like you're trying so hard. So I just said, I want something simple. But I remember very well. That logo was in a cup. It was a red circle with Contour Libanais in the middle. I remember I was joking. I told Lee. And he put that on a cap, a white cap, and he put the red circle with Contour Libanais in white. I said, is that what you want to do? I said, Lee. I said, I wanted something more. I wanted something when people come in, they, rem- they know, they know it's Contour. It's like, you know, when you go on the street, you know someone's been to Selfridges or someone's been to Mark and Spencer's or someone to been to Waitrose without even looking that back. I yeah. wanted that. And you had the name, by the way, or did they no, come no, up with had, the name? No, no, we had the name. So what I've done, we agreed with Rana. She let us use that, uh, the, the poster. But she also did for us chiclets. I love chiclets. She did something for us for that. But eventually that moved on. We don't use chiclets anymore. We just, the the, the design kept uh, uh, evolving. So I called Lee. I said, Lee, come. I want you to discuss the logo and everything. But before he came, I called a colleague of mine. I said to her, please do me a favor. Go to Costa Coffee. Get me a coffee cup, empty, and a bag. She says, why? She says, just bring it. By the time I explained to you, I already done it. Mm-hmm. And then she brought it for me. I said, look, can you print me this picture of Serene? This size and this size. Two of each. Okay. She printed for me. So I took a coffee cup. I covered it with Serene. I put it on, the, on my desk. And I had the bag. I took two pictures of Serene. I stapled them. 
I put them there and he walked in and says, oh, it's too much. I says, I don't care. <laughs> I want that. This is what I want. It doesn't matter. They were against it. Lee was against it in the beginning. I said, I want that. And then I put her in the restaurants. I put her in the vans. Yeah. And you know what? Bingo. Did I know what I was doing? No. Did I want to do it? Yes. I, it was a dream. By the way, it doesn't mean everything you do in life is right. My last, last restaurant is, um, no, not last restaurant. Last restaurant we refurbished is in, in Manchester. It is incredible. I love it because I do, this is what I love the most. That's what makes me enjoy what I do. We, we removed before Contour used to be all white tiles and put a lot of shelves and make it a souk. We sell bags, we sell right. za'atar, we sell rose water, orange blossom, anything we think people would need from our part of the, the world. But eventually it turned out to be, we're a restaurant, first and foremost, we're, it's a business. It's not a, it's not a trophy uh, restaurant, it's our livelihood. The livelihood of all our employees depends on. So eventually, unfortunately, all, the, all those things we buy, they don't sell as much. Mm. It's more difficult to run than people think. And it took us what it took us to be honest. It helped us become who we are. But then eventually in the evening, people come into restaurants with shelves of couscous, of rose water, orange blossom. They feel like they're walking into eating in the supermarkets. They eventually went to, to encourage the evening, we need to make it walk away a little bit from that. That's interesting. Make it cozier. But at the same time, imagine running a restaurant is super hard. And we're adding, running, we're adding to the team to a run shop. a shop right. as well as running a restaurant. At the moment, well, I'm not Superman. I'm, we need to focus on what's our main part of the business. Uh, we always talk about it with my business partner. As much as he encouraged me, but we just have to do lesser things, do them very well, then do too many things, mm -hmm. not do them very well. Yeah. And eventually one day I will maybe go back, we'll go back into that. But now we evolve. So talking back about Manchester, it's, for me it's like you're walking into a garden. I promise you, I promise you, Carol. I was refurbishing, we had the terrace there. And you go there. One of my favorite places in Beirut is Falamanki. Yeah. It makes place. me feel I am back home in Algeria. You see, it's that kind of the smell, the noise, the things, and, and uh, it just, it is weird. If Palamanki had rooms, if it was a hotel, I'd be staying there. Oh yeah, I agree. That's what I love to go to. I, I love my Argila, I love to meet friends, and being there outside, sitting there, and just, and in Manchester, we managed to recreate that. It's the first time ever I managed to do that in my own place. This is only the terrace, and inside as well, we had walls, and I put pictures of family, mirrors, brass trays, the blue eyes. My mom, my, um, also used the fan. I put a tarbouche on yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, so evolved, the design evolved. How do you choose the locations? You've, you've uh, got about 22 just comptoirs. No, no, yeah, comptoir, yeah. Look, there's one thing when we choose the location. There's a lot of things me and my business partner do separately, but we'll always ask each other. But doesn't matter, it's his part and my part, but when we choose location, there's one thing was we have to first go and see it and look at each other, both say yes. If one says no or has doubt, we'll forget because you cannot 
make a mistake with that location. Right. Once you make a mistake with the location, everything else is a, is a mistake. Have you made the location mistake? Of course before? you do. Yeah. There's nobody that doesn't make that mi mistake. Sainsbury's, Starbucks, Burger King, McDonald's, everybody makes that kind of mistake. Look, Contour for a long time was built as a as high footfall place. Give us footfall, people will walk in because they know it's casual, it's fun, it's friendly, it's inviting. It's different, but because of our design, there's a lot of psychology goes into it. Our design, in the beginning, it feels so casual, it's a cafe. It's not the kind of place you take someone in the evening. By adding the shelves, silver shelves with jam and this, uh, your husband will not take you on the first date. Right. Today, it's like, mm, where is he taking me there? Is that, is that, is that, you know, I want, but although very casual, it's part of the experience. Look, it worked to a certain point, but eventually when Shekhar joined he started giving the, his opinion on things although i look after that creative side but his 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 decisions his contribution was so strong we needed to introduce alcohol in the beginning we were so casual and alcohol is very important to start doing the evening trade and then eventually it was so colorful with a lot of, lot of ties a lot of bright colors and so we need to introduce fabrics to make it cozier more wood and bit by bit what we did we we were slowing down on the retail for many reasons it doesn't sell people think it's just just mm. a cafe thing and also I don't know if you remember or most of our count uh, it's called comptoir yeah. it's 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 a glass counter we can see the food we walked away from it oh really because okay. it worked for lunchtime for takeaway but when you go in the evening you have that bright thing in your face and with looking at wraps it's just a, a pret-a-manger trying to open for dinner right so bit by bit where you know what you mature you're trying to create different opportunities you try to aim at the evening at diners people coming to you in the evening because imagine if you want just based on lunchtime, lunchtime two hours busy, people come between 12 and 2, the rest is... So say in the evening it's more, people can come from 6 o'clock to 10, 11 o'clock. And that's what we wanted, it's an opportunity that we didn't want to uh, miss out. And it helped. I mean, what's next? I mean, you have over 35 restaurants together, 22 just for Comptoir. I mean, what's the, are you done? Will you ever be done? No. Um, <laughs> Uh, it can never be done. It's I mean, it sounds like you've no, accomplished a lot. No, no, you, you can't be done. But look, we love what we do. I only know restaurants. My business partner is the same. At the moment, it's very much survival. Do you guys still own all of them or is it franchised out? We have most of them. We have a franchise. But that franchise is less like us, to be honest. It's, it's, it's a partner, very passionate partner. They get us opportunities that we would never got in Dubai airport. We had a Heathrow airport, Gatwick airport. They, they run it, but we're there all the time. We help them with the food. We help them with the, everything else. So, so Do you we, have a central kitchen for Comptoir now? We, like, yeah, we have central kitchen. What, what we do, we have, because space in, in London is very small. So what we do, instead of having a small restaurant, having a smaller kitchen, when in Lebanese food, as you know, the menu is big, the equipment is big, we couldn't do it. So we have a kitchen where we make things on every morning and we dispatch it. Yeah. And then we cook in the restaurants. 
We make the, the salads there, we grill the food, we make the falafel there. Sure, sure. But uh, it makes sense for it to be centralized. Yeah, yeah because you have the focus, you have all the team there. And since then, the food is much better because you have the consistency and you have more space for the equipment. You don't, yes. Were you affected at all by the pandemic? Everybody is affected. There is no one that has not been affected. It's good to be positive, it's good to be cautious, but my business partner, is shielding, but he's worked, I'm not exaggerating, 12 hours a day on the phone, call me, you know, conference calls, mm-hmm. landlords negotiating this, that. They're probably the other 12 hours, he doesn't sleep, he just worries about their business. But we'll also look as an opportunity to tighten up and to strengthen the business and to think outside the box. You know, sometimes in life, when you're desperate for survival, you do more than when you're comfortable. Oh. Yeah. And that we're using that opportunity. I believe this too shall pass, mm. but you have to do a lot <laughs> for it to pass and to pass positively and to come out of it very strong. Mm. Now, when I was looking the other day, we were in a restaurant in Manchester. We just refurbished it despite the current situation pandemic, but we believe we made the decision with my partner. It's not the right, it's not we did it because we had the money. We did it because he needed it before the pandemic. We made that commitment. We took a risk to refurbish. Well, all the restaurant next to us closed. And then one day I remember what was there. Five minutes after the closing, one of the waitresses, oh, someone came in for a drink, we closed. I turned around and said, look, don't take it for granted. It's not because today you are busy, then you think, in March, we weren't sure we're gonna survive. So please be accommodating. We need to make sure we educate the team that that customer, every customer that came to you, it's not because you are the only thing. It's not an emergency and he came to you because he had to go. No, he's not desperate. He had thousands of restaurants and bars to go to. He chose to come to you. We need to be as accommodating as possible. We need to be more flexible. We took this opportunity to improve the food, to look back at the menu. We had to shrink the menu a little bit because if it was quiet, in a long menu, how fresh is your product? And also have to put a lot of things in mind to make sure the food we're doing, we have to plan it because of the pandemic, cross-contamination, we want to make sure people work in their own sections, they don't. So we're trying to minimize whatever damage can be. You know what, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about Yella Yella. It's uh, one of my favorite Lebanese restaurants. And when I did a bit of digging, I saw that the guys who created it actually started with you at Comptoir. And then they split off, um, created it, it did really well, and then you reacquired them. Um, could you talk to us a little bit about, about that? Yeah, no, but basically Jed and Aga used to work together. Judd opened Kenza for us, and Aga also worked in Contoir. And then they broke off, they decided to open their own thing, Yalla Yalla, which they did amazingly well. Uh, we're very proud to what they've done. They've done a fantastic, fantastic job. And then I think they wanted to open two or three other locations. And I think they had, they were into a partnership that for one reason or the other didn't really work out. And um, it was an opportunity that at the time came to take it over and um, they were part, of, they were still part of the team. So, you know, we took them because they were there as part of it. And uh, we took it, we, we tweaked uh, the product a little bit and then we changed the design a little bit because at the time it was much more casual. 
but we've made it cozier. We, uh, we made it like you're going to a restaurant in the village of Lebanon. Uh, yeah, that's what we do. We have also another place, I don't know if you know it, Shawa. It's shawarma and roast chicken, rotisserie. And uh, who doesn't miss a good shawarma yeah. with nice garlic sauce? Yeah. We have that. It's, yeah, so it's a, all our restaurant between Yalla Yalla, Contoir. Menaish was something we wanted to do, but we also realized I love all the pastries. You know, you, there's, you know what? You can do so many from savory to sweet. But unfortunately, it's very difficult in London to make it work. If you just do bakery alone, yeah. the rent is super expensive. The rate yeah. is super expensive. And it's not the kind of thing. It's a bakery. If you tell someone to go to bakery, they can only go for in the morning. Can you make a bakery work all day? A lot of people ask us for advice, me or my business partner. We always be very honest. It's, it's tough. Especially people never did a restaurant and say, it looks easier from the outside. You look glam, it's not. You yeah. know, you have to, especially when I was asked, what's your personal situation? Where does the money come from? I said, oh, it's my savings. Uh, my, uh, my parents are helping me. Mortgages, I forget it. It's a big risk, especially in a different background. They look at it, they, they probably before they were uh, an IT engineer or they had enough. They think, oh, we don't enjoy it anymore. We want to do something different. So what makes you think you're going to enjoy a restaurant? Not only that, you're going to take a big risk. You know, a restaurant is not 20, 30,000 pounds. You're talking about half a million to a million, if not more, to open. And once you invest half a million pounds to open it or a million, it doesn't stop there. By the time people realize it doesn't work, they lost another half million. And they have no life, they can lose their family, and lost their life. It's, 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 it's a big thing. And I always tell people, this is so hard, but you have to love it to do it. If people are just driven by money, it will not work. I promise you, in last 32 years in London, or last 27 years in my restaurant, I spent probably 80% of my time at work than at home. This is my family. You can't not say this is your family. It's impossible. And we put more effort into that than anything else. Thank you so much. It's been so great it's having you. It's a pleasure. That's it, guys. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this special episode. Please do message me directly at, at your tables ready on Instagram or email me carol.hader at gmail.com. If you want to purchase a signed copy of Tony's latest cookbook, all proceeds will, of course, be going directly to the victims of the blast. Thank you so much for your support again, and we will be returning at the end of October with a very exciting lineup. Thanks.